demand action, philosophy thrives through practice and talk only flourishes when it inspires meaningful deeds. Welcome to the Talk Doesn't Cook Rice podcast with myself John Saskowski and Danny Massaro where we explore thought-provoking concepts and provide practical insights to enrich modern life. We hope you enjoy this episode. This is something, there's nothing, this is solid, this is space. Between yourself and the world of nature outside you. Right, Danny, we are now on to personality. So we looked at, last time out, we did the self. And to be fair, thinking back, probably didn't do that great a job really defining the self and, and what it actually is, because we did then go on to comparing it to personality, but they are very different. So this is definitely way more your wheelhouse than mine. So you, you're going to have some, I'm sure, lots of good ideas around different models and things that we'll get into. But just up front to differentiate them a little bit, if we think of the self as being this broader, more encompassing concept, I suppose, so that includes things like your individual sense of your own identity. So just sort of awareness of your own existence, your individuality, you've got autonomy, you you know, you're sort of the unique self in the world. That's this broader concept of the self. Personality then, that refers more to these... I suppose like enduring patterns, so things like thoughts, feelings, behaviours, qualities I suppose, like sets of qualities that make you as a person distinct from another person. So like I said, things like behaviour, things like mental structures. And that's going to be in many ways shaped by society and the environment that you're in, and we'll get into some of that. And it's also going to be shaped in a lot of ways by uh, just genetics, so so the, the classic nurture versus nurture debate is in the mix when it comes to personality now one interesting thing that i discovered was when it comes to the word person just as a little bit of background it's a real fundamental concept to westerners but when you actually find out what it's where it's a meaning comes from so the 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 sort of origin of the word it comes from the latin word persona which actually means mask so it, it is sort of kind of grounded in that you know a person is wearing a mask they're acting out a role in some respects and I suppose a lot of people these days would call that fake or inauthentic, wouldn't they? But it's, yeah, we'll we'll get into the ins and outs of that, but that's where it actually derives from as a as a word. So that's how they differ. You set us up, Danny, with what you thought, because this is very much something you thought, no, this is an important topic, this difference, and you can actually use, by people separating them out, it can actually be quite a, an energising practical tool for just approaching life in many ways. So you set us up with that. Yeah. So, well explained. Now, a a quick definition uh, of personality, which I found of one of the key researchers who'd done a lot of stuff on personality traits. So we've probably all heard we have personality traits. Jeff McRae, he's called, uh, Robert Jeff McRae. And he came up with the big five sort of system theory. It was an, uh, which was a an adaptation or a development of the original sort of big five stuff and introvert, extrovert stuff from Robert Isenck. 
who was one of the first researchers to say that we we had traits, but main two being introvert or extrovert. And he said that that was biological, all based on the levels of cortisol that we had in our systems and how it triggered and all of this. And you get some people that are really extroverted and some people very introverted. And he brought to that this stable and unstable element, which was then broken up into other traits, which we'll talk about on the big five. But this guy, Jeff McRae, who then took that on again in the last sort of 20 years from now, even though he's been studying it a long time, he came up with this with a new sort of theory on it. So personality has always been being studied. It's always, oh, what is a personality? But he said that personality is a psychological system within the individual that adapts a person to the needs, the situations, and the opportunities that the environment presents in ways that are characteristic and unique to that particular individual. So in other words, that fits well with me, as I've always thought of personality when I've been working with people. I've always explained it as it's a set of tactics that you've used since you were a baby (laughs) to get attention and love and everything you sort of needed at that point of your life. So whether that's when you were a baby, you'd give eye contact or cry or touch or go quiet or be loud or do things. It was like in the very early, we'll talk through the stages of life, but in the very early stages, because of the genetics and what you've got from your parents as well, how do you get that safety, care and attention? And as you grow up in life, obviously the sort of first four, five, six years, seven years even, that you practice that and get through your early years and make make friends and get, you know, feel safe and get looked after and then, you know, get pleasure as well, which we'll talk about, Freud, <laughs> the pleasure principle. Then it's basically becomes a well-practiced sort of strategy, a well-practiced thing that you do and repeat and repeat because it tends to work. And that basically ends up being your personality. And you take those strategies with you all your life and what's interesting, if, if you're too much into that, you can feel like the personality is you. When the self that, we, you know, I might say the you, but the personality is the self. The self is considered to be more the first person independent witness to, the, to, to your whole life story. Like sort of sat back here, the ever present, original sort of conscious, you know, kind of original face. Eastern people call it your original face, you know, just watching the world. From, from a sat back in there, from first person, you know, when you think nobody will ever be inside you looking out. So that's your sort of internal, you know, phenomenology stuff. So you're in there, that's that's the self and that kind of how you think about yourself, your self-esteem, you know, your self-identity, your self-concept. Now, the personality can be part of that. It can be part of how you think the inside person thinks about themselves. But the personality is more of a third person thing. The personality is more what you do in the world, especially with other people around. And it's very much like more like your external behaviors. And it's what people can see you doing. And therefore, that is one way of looking at it that you have. And, and I try to help people separate the self from the personality so that you have this sort of commonality with all humans and all life that you have this sort of enduring self. But the personality is simply just a set of tactics and tricks and, you know, and, and skills really that you've used in the world to get what you want. And that is based strongly on your genetics, which are called traits. But it's also affected, obviously, by your environment that you're in. It's affected very much by birth order in, in a family. 
Uh, recent research has said it's not as affected as much as you think by your parents, actually. And it's, it's also affected by particular strong experiences that can send you this way or that way. And we'll we'll talk about that as we go on. That makes sense? Yeah. The, the, the bit that I struggle to get my head around a little bit or, or really differentiate them is... So that definition I gave of, of the origin of the word person and that notion of mask wearing from Latin and stuff. Yeah. And then you mentioned the word tactics there, you know, the tactics that we use yeah. to get things to go our way, I suppose. It's how conscious that is and therefore, because if, if a lot of this is based on traits, which are sort of, they're just with you throughout life, basically. Within, yeah. I, I know there's degrees to them and you, you're going to swing between some extremes, I suppose, but let's call it the average of those traits. It's how conscious a process it is because it does, some of the way you described it, it does come across to me as like a tactical, conscious, managing, you know, like impression management, yeah. those sorts of things that yeah. we do when we're with people, when we're in social situations. And that is a little bit like mask wearing and it's a little bit... Yes. Is it just to, is it the degrees within a certain, so if we look at the big five, if you've got, yeah. you know, the classic conscientiousness, agreeableness, openness, extroversion, neuroticism, there's a degree to which you're going to move within each of those. Is it the degree that you're tactically moving or is it just, I imagine an introvert can't suddenly just become an extrovert yeah, true. because they're in a particular situation that's going to be to their advantage to come across as like an extrovert, let's say. Yeah. So you'd be bad at it. If you just suddenly wanted to be extrovert, but you were really introvert for biological trait reasons, you'd probably be pretty bad at it. And <laughs> it wouldn't, you'd be like, I haven't practiced this a lot. I'm, I'm trying to fit in and be cool. Or I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, think more broadly. I'm trying to be more open with my thinking and conscientious with my thinking. Be like, I just can't because I, fundamentally, that's not the type of sort of way I was born. So the trait isn't there. Trait, and and I've not, and because of that, I've never practiced it. But just suddenly, I've been told to do it. I've been sent into the army, or I've been sent into leadership, or I've been sent into a socials. I'm going to have to find a different way to be this person. So I can still be a great chef, and I'm going to be this type of chef, and I'm going to be this type of, you know, I can be a great midfield football player, but I'm never going to be like the one talking to everybody and doing, you know, the big speeches. I'm going to lead, I'm going to be a leader, but I'm going to lead through my actions in a quiet, calm, noble way. So what, so what it is, and this is, so what you, what you, in a way, asking there is, which I encourage, you know, with, with my opening statement, is... How does, therefore, a personality develop? And people, you know, we do talk about the authentic self. And if I say, well, your personality is a set of tactics, okay, that's an, and a strategy and sort of a well-grooved kind of emergent type of uh, practice way of getting what you want, Nietzsche's will to power, perhaps, or Freud's will to pleasure, which we'll talk about. He said Freud, Freud was very much like, at the end of the day, you just want pleasure and avoid pain, and everything's around that. So we'll talk around that in one second. But essentially, that you the bit about the authenticity is you've got this kind of like bag of tools you've been given, let's say, in your genetics, and you go out into the world and you use those tools as best as you can to fit in. And by fitting in, that's surviving. And so you go to Maslow's original needs. Maslow said, and these developmental humanists, Maslow and Carl Rogers said, so what a baby and a youngster wants to do then is a natural urge to develop to the highest self of self-actualization but they have to go through survival you have to get food love shelter and you've got to go through this hierarchy of needs maslow's seven needs you know community you know acceptance and all, and all the way up to self-actualized bit of power and so on 
so essentially, that's you're not when you're really young. So if I, you know, you take Leo at the moment, he's developing a personality, but it's all based on uh, can I have a bit of power? Can I have choice? He already he's already got his love. He already knows he's fed. He already knows he's warm. You know, luckily, you know, he's in he's in a modern situation where that's happening for him. If that wasn't happening and he wasn't getting love and warmth and all these things, you know, like studies have been done on the Romanian babies that never got looked after during the the Cold War and things that. They fundamentally, those original genetics never got tooled. They got trauma, and then, and then, forty years later, they're still affected by it because those original building blocks weren't, those personality parts weren't crafted and developed and helped. So basically, our personality moves up in terms of authenticity. At the beginning, it isn't conscious choice. That starts to come obviously when you can think a bit more consciously and tactically. When I say tactics, I just mean it's almost not necessarily you're consciously thinking of these tactics all the time. And that's part of the problem because the personality becomes so ingrained and unconscious in a way. You just, you think everybody in the world is the same as you. Your, you know, your basic fears, your basic desires, the things that you love, you know, the ways in which you go about your world. Now, what Freud said, this was interesting in terms of authenticity. So this is more like about how your personality is a, rather than it being an external thing, it's more of an internal thing, the way you think about yourself and so on. Freud said that unconsciously, we just have the pleasure principle. That so we have an id. So there's the id, the ego, and the superego. Basically, the id is the thing in you that just wants passion uh, and pleasure, right? It wants, it's like unconscious psychic energy that wants desires, it wants, it has urges, and it's it's a lot of your Nietzsche stuff, you know, that really what you basically want is to be like a, you know, a wild, <laughs> a wild animal and just taking what you want. And he called that the pleasure principle. And that's it. We all want that. Who wouldn't? But he said, in his, the- his psychoanalytic theory of personality is, even though the pleasure principle drives the id to see basically immediate gratification, you know, all the time, thirst, hunger, anger, sex, all these types of things, that he, cut- he brought in the reality principle was that you can't in reality do that. And therefore, the ego was developed to temper the id. So your ego, it helps it. As you're children and you grow, you develop a controlling ego that stops you basically getting into trouble <laughs> and banished. You can't just go up to someone and hit them. You can't just take their water in the middle of a you know a meeting or something. Like You can't just go to your boss in a meeting, take his drink, go, oh, I was thirsty, mate. You learn to like, oh, if I do that, everyone's going to think I'm strange. I need to wait, get my own drink at the break. You know, so basically the ego is largely the unconscious part, again, that mediates our natural urges. And therefore, the ego develops these sets of tactics that are very tempering and basically make sure people still think I'm okay. So you either you know, withdraw from people, you either go extrovert, you either lead people, you might help people, you might be, oh, if I'm clever, people will like me. If I'm reserved, people will like me. If I come in with loads of information about a topic and, and they say, oh, you're clever, that'll get me that'll get me attention. If I'm risk-taking and fun and everyone has a laugh, that'll get me attention and I can get away with things because they, they'll like me because I'm a good laugh. If I'm naughty, you know, some people like that, some risky. So basically you learn all these sort of ways to temper the just basic natural urges of the id and the ego comes in as this sort of protection then he said there's a superego when the superego develops as you get a bit older again which is more it's like what we gain then as we start to think about the world you could say a bit more existentially it suppresses the urges of the id and tries to make the ego behave a bit more morally rather than 
realistically. So he takes on the superego is now a bit like, is a little bit of the fake bit. The superego starts to be a bit like, yeah, but these original tactics that I just used and developed, like I was, you know, dicked around in class and everyone liked me because I was the class clown, or I stuck up for all my mates and challenged the other gang leader. So I became a leader type strong person, you know, because I was genetically disposed for that anyway. And I learned that he got me attention and I was, I was, I always had friends and, you know, I was known for it and so on. So, and I liked it. So there was that. But then I can't keep doing that all the time. I can't just keep going and bossing every situation where there's any trouble. So the superego comes in and then goes, now oh, let's temper that a bit. You can't, you know, you can't just go around taking all the plaudits, all the, you've got to craft it a bit. So my personality, let's say, if I give you an example, growing up as a little child was always about being a little star, right? Uh, oh, I'm good at this. Oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do that. Oh, I've got a certificate. You know, I thought I was bringing value to the family if I kept kind of achieving little things and areas where I wouldn't be able to achieve. I wouldn't go near them. I, I'd try it once. No, I'm not going. I'm not, you know, basically because I couldn't win, right? And show off. So I became a little like family hero type childhood, uh, childlike. And, that, I, I, you know, you realize that different to my brother, there was a bit more introverted and a little bit more deeper and romantic kind of thing and soulful and felt a little bit more, he, he thought I was probably fake and he was more genuine and real, you know. Look at you, you, you know, you're just showing off and you just want trophies and all that. It's fine, but yeah. So I'd, I won the sort of Lancashire Championships where we live in squash. And I was like, hot arms up, cheering. He won his age group and he sort of walked off the court backwards and never celebrated at all. <laughs> you know, he just didn't want attention. You know, we were like, we were like 10, 10 and 12 at that time. And um, basically, I grew up there for mum and dad got divorced and so on. And I was just rode through it because I was like, well, I don't want to, you don't want to add any more stress to that. And, and I just kept achieving. Oh, look at me now. I've, I'm living on my own at 16. Something I can achieve at. Look how good I am at 16, living by myself. Oh, look at me in the football team. I'm the captain. Oh, look at me doing this squash. I'm this champion. Oh, look at me. But other things I wasn't good at, you wouldn't hear about it. And I wouldn't talk about it. And in a way, I learned to, to manipulate without consciously doing it, became this little person who needed to always show a favourable achievement face. I was scared of failure at anything. So when true failure happened, you know, relationships or uh, A-levels or uh, I'd play badly at sport, I'd, do something, I'd always put a positive spin on it. It had hurt me and I'd bury that, but I'd always show, no, I'm fine. And, you know, you always had to look accomplished. Very kind of American type, you know, Tom Cruise type kind of thing you know all of that so that was like my that was like my sort of way of being up coming up everything had to be achieved now along i'm still like that to this day I'm still a bit of a show off i still you know i like doing these podcasts because it's a chance for me to show off some of my look you know look what i know hey aren't i cool <laughs> whereas you might do it more because it's just you're more into information and you're genuinely like now information is king and i just like it very interested in it at that level but what happens with personality is if you get aware of it and you work with it, you can look at it like I was able to look at my personality and understand personality in my 20s, late 20s, because I did lots of courses on it and things, and laugh at it and separate myself, true self, from the personality that I'd always used as a child and go, oh gosh, look at, that's typical me, that, that's what I'm weak at, that's where I need to get a bit better, that's what I'm, that's what I love about myself, that's what's annoying, there are my traps. 
And if I'm mature, so you could argue that maturing is dropping off of the superego back into almost like just the ego, but even dropping off the ego a little bit and just doing a little bit more of what your heart desires, you know, or what you, and you're basically not playing, I'm not having to keep up the role of the achiever all my life and be a workaholic and, you know, you get older and, you know, like laugh at that childhood pattern a, a bit more and not a lot of people ever get there with that. Now, I'm saying that as if, you know, like an achiever would. Look, I've done it. Well, it's I cool. <laughs> you know, there's the subtext. But it's a constant work in progress. And I know when I'm under stress, I cannot still anything that about failure or weakness or I get criticized by anything, I, I flare up in myself. It really cuts me to the bone, like instantly. It's like I'm worthless. I feel, I feel insignificant. And that's my biggest fear, to be totally insignificant and worthless and in a way i'm only worthy in the eyes of other people you know so that's a been a big area for me to work on i've had to try and work on being worthy in my own self rather than what i do in my behaviors see we're miles different on that aren't we like, yeah. like you know the i don't know if you'll mention it but when we looked at the i shared the you know the enneagram type yeah so like, i think you were type three and i was type five i'm yeah. I, I always like admit i'm never a huge fan of those no. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier, like models, and it's like, right, you're in that bucket and that's that. And I'm never a huge fan of them, but they, they generally have patterns, don't they? Yeah. Which are, which are useful. But yeah. that, so that example, and so say when you clock yourself or you clock yeah. that personality and you're like, right, I'm Mr. Little Mini Achiever and that, yeah. that, and that's that. Are we saying that there's still only so far you can pair that back and kind of reduce it and recognize it because there is just a genetic that's built Absolutely. into it and if you try to do it too much then you're back into being inauthentic and you are just acting a role and, and all that yeah, stuff that's that's so true so you always want to adapt in the world you know adaptable of the species survive and all these things but it's okay evolution it's okay like uh, I don't know some, some type of fish becoming a bird or a, a bird getting better wings or whatever but a bird can't become a crocodile just because it's adapting it's set off on a completely different tangent originally there's only so much you can change yeah you know in your in your in your in, in your in your well-practiced genetics and grooves and that's beautiful isn't it that's great because the thing is, it's like once you know what box you're in, you can just like climb out of it or have a door and just grow up in it. But if you don't know what you're in in the first place, and you go, oh, I'm not into personality shit, in a theory, oh, it's all rubbish, oh, it's putting me in a box, putting me in a box. Well, once you know ish, you know, there, there are types and there are genetics, and these people have they've studied this in uh, so many different ways in terms of hundreds of years now, you know, people have studied behavior type theories of personality social theories, environmental theories of personality development. Obviously, Freud is an internal theory of it, you know, psycho, uh, an unconscious psychoanalytic theory of it. So personality is in the world. We know people have certain personalities. Even animals have personalities. You know, we know that, and that's genetic types, you know. We know within families, two or three, four brothers and sisters, you know you're different, same environment and all of that. But there's something in it. And I think, yeah, people think, oh, well, I know my personality, I've got to change, and oh, I'm stuck. It's about growth. And why I particularly like any the Enneagram system of personality and then, you know, I'm Myers-Briggs, and as long as you don't take them too seriously, but that's like any theory, isn't it? You get stuck into any theory too much in the world. It's too partial. So but what I like about the, the personality systems, whichever one you like, as long as you don't 
turn into some, you know, obsession with it, play with it, try and understand it. That's how we always, we, we were lucky to have a great personality teacher who understood type and depth. He really understood that types are just one thing. Your personality types, one thing, but your depth and your maturity is another thing. And you have different levels of your personality. So you've got a lot of flexibility still. And in certain situations as well, when you're, when you're in a good place or you're a bit stressed, you kind of you kind of turn into your dark side or your light side of your personality, which could be explained in other observable factors, other, other traits. You know, you could be quite extrovert naturally, but some shocking things happen and you get stressed and your default might be to go really introvert and you know something's off. Or you could be quite happy being an introvert and you like your own company, but you spend 10 years trying to be an extrovert, drinking and going out because you think that's what you should be doing. And really, you've never really understood yourself or the habits that you've used. And let's remember that these habits are part of your genetic makeup. So if you're not careful, you're swimming against the tide every time you try and be something else, just because that happens to be the societal fashion or needs at the time. So some people can be forced into a job and they do that job for 40 years and it was never really cut out for them. <laughs> so that's sort of bad faith, isn't it? They just had to act that role so much but they never took the time to say you know what i've been around all these people all this time and being quite truthful i'm an introvert there's a really good book by susan kane about that called quiet because introverts obviously haven't been very popular especially through the noughties and the big you know drive for you know how we are these days and social media and all that but a lot of people are a lot more genetically introvert than they think it's just that they're too stuck in sort of the super ego bit of getting a job fitting in and that's the other thing. So a lot, there is a big school of thought with personality that you your personality is totally controlled by the environment you grow up in. So what you see in someone's external behaviours in a group, you know, let's say you've been brought up in the in the uh, dark winters of Canada or something like that. Jordan Peterson talks about this. It was like freezing all the time, and and it freezing and it's dark and daylight's not very often, and you low finance he says is it any surprise that most of the people were alcoholics to keep warm to have community to cheer up you know what i mean he said so kind of there wasn't the right environments there it was so such an extreme environment for all natural personalities to emerge as they as they could have done you were almost shoehorned into having to be that way just to survive and that is a tragedy you know and that must happen in many countries like where there's war and all sorts of things you almost become a war personality because you have to be that way to get through it. When the, the tragedy is you've never got a chance to sort of be your true genetic self. There would still be variance in that. I'm sure there's still some variance, but the environment ends up really dominating you. Now, that's what we, we've noticed, or you've noticed that on a micro level, even work, haven't you? You've changed in the last three, four years and settled into probably, I would say, more of your, more of your sort of like genetic personality because you don't have to play any games at all. Everything's on your own terms. So you can just be like, you've rebalanced yourself out, as I see it, into like the natural John. Whereas obviously, even even though you loved the job at the time and you were things, we know when you're at work, it's stressful because we know ultimately you're being watched. And if you are your true self there, which you would be, to be fair to you, <laughs> disruptor, <laughs> a bit anarch- anarchic, always you're putting people on edge because you were bringing in better information to blow up the theories and making a mockery at times of people if you got bored because you were you know you were fed up a bit 
you were like you were like it wasn't your true self and then when you left and got out of there and you, and, and I think this is a great thing for a lot of people in the 40s and going into 50s that you can have some time where you're like can I be like the real sort of natural personality of myself without playing the game that I've kind of learned I've seen it with a lot of my friends uh, I meet them. I meet them on for a few days, and and they sort of relax back into who they are, as I know them as a, as a child, and you know, and they're funny or they're into it or they're calm or whatever. But when I meet them at work or I see them, and they've been like headmaster or they've been this, it takes them a bit of time to remember who they actually are because the the super ego has been working overdrive so so that they fit in with the role of what they do. When I work with athletes, there is a certain thing about how athletes should be how they should be in that environment, the things they should say, how they should treat other people, how they should do celebration speeches, how they should behave on court, how they should, you know, come across in the media. And it's all a bit polished and it's all manufactured. But when they are almost like their true selves, in a way, they accept who they are, then often they don't fit in very well to that to that flow. Roddy O'Sullivan's a classic example of that. And Aldri Agassi was. They're just typically their type of person, you know, up and down, all over the plot, not necessarily stable. And if you're not stable sometimes enough for people, they call you mentally ill. They'll actually say there's something wrong with them. They're too up and down. But that's just being unstable and a bit neurotic. And that's fine. That's just part of being a personality. <laughs> to some people, that's being normal. That's normal life. What isn't normal is being like a polished machine where you always say the right thing all the time and never get in trouble. So that's what's interesting about development. It's I can't suddenly become like Laura is or you are, but I can appreciate your differences in how you are. I can appreciate who I am and play around with it, but still go, well, that's who I am. You know, like in my personality, that's my tactics. I can't use any more tactics. I just don't know how to do any but any other personality than this one. But I don't need to do it to the absolute max. And I also don't need to be ashamed of it or super ego it into something else just to fit in. And I think that's that sense of you get with somebody. They are comfortable in their own skin. They're self-aware to the point of, yeah, I know I'm like that. Good and bad. Take it or leave it. And they can adapt and they can alter the personality a little bit super ego can come in and say well you know just be like this today and just don't do that there and behave yourself and just get in line there because you know it's more important than just you but essentially you celebrate yourself and enjoy yourself and also what helps that ability is knowing that there's a deeper layer back here of the self and that at the end of the day that even though the personality is is your genetics it's still only like a it's still only a way you operate in the world. There's still this deepest constant self back here that's more of a an ever-present witness to it all, if you will. I find the genetic component, it's kind of fascinating these days because it's like you start playing 4D chess in a way. No one should recognise that stuff like you say. So I, I, I agree. Once you get into your 40s, you've got a choice then because you, you're now old enough, you're mature enough, you know yourself well enough. You do come to a crossroads where it's like, right, am I going to keep just doing this until retirement now? Am I just locked into playing these games and roles? Or am I going to be, and I don't want to use the word authentic, but am I going to be more like my true self? Am I going to tap into my, my personality and things? I think that, and most of our audience, I think, people who listen to this, that sounds so shit, shit doesn't it, your audience, but the people yeah. who listen to this randomly, yeah. most of them are sort of, yeah, but they're kind of like <laughs> our age, aren't they? You know, like 30s, 40s, maybe getting into the 50s. So they're probably in some of those moments, like, and it's like, yeah, what am I? Am I just going to settle? We know loads of people like this, like they've, they've 
settled. They know they're kidding themselves a little bit and they just decide, nah, I'll just go along with that. But I also think in the current day and age, when you talk about genetics and genes and, and how much stuff is in many ways, not set in stone, but within, say, a range of opportunity, of, of ranges, it's set in stone. Let's be honest, people these days are, are deciding they're not a man or a woman. Yeah. At that genetic level, it's like that's how. So the, the, that notion of like, yeah, you've got certain traits that are genetic and within reason you can't really shift them beyond a certain point. Yeah. That very much goes against the narrative of the current way of thinking that, yeah, you can be anyone you want, you can do anything you want, but there's consequences to that, isn't there, when it comes to personality and, and the self. The other little thing I was thinking, when you mentioned about me like leaving academia and and just being a bit more in tune with what my, my personality is. Recently, I've just bombed off social media and it wasn't really a con. I just got to, I was like, what's the point of this? What am I doing? Yeah. And just stopped with it. And I think there's maybe a, a, an aspect to that in, in, so I've always like just had everything in my own name, you know, like picture of, of who you are and like thing. But when you, there's always been a view, hasn't there online, that if you're anonymous, so if you have an, an anonymous account, which loads of people do on things like Twitter and stuff, you're somehow being less authentic. It's like the less real you because you're sort of behind a, a, a pseudonym or like you, you're just behind a, it's not you that's there. But I started thinking actually they're probably way more authentic than the people who tweet and, and are just themselves online because there's way more consequences. If people know it's you saying it and doing it, you, you, you're you going to be way more. I've got to like couch what I'm saying. I can't say that because that's not going to go down well. You know the classic when you see people, it's like views my own. Yeah. In the bio anything. That just means, no, nah, they're not the other. Because that means you're employed. Yeah. And you know if you say certain yeah. things, you can't say it because you'll yeah. get there's consequences. Exactly. So in many ways, you've been less real by being yourself in that thing. And it's probably the people who are anonymous who just say what they exactly what they think. Because there's less consequences to it, so they just say it. They're probably, that is their personality. They're just tuning into it. You see. And just doing it. With me, let's say you come out and you go, you you just say what you think. That's different than if I say what I think. Because one, you might be a person who's just, your whole world thing is, you just got to say what, you got to say the truth. You've got to, you know, and to be honest, the truth for you is information and, and logic and rational. No, not so much now. Like, it definitely has been, but not. I've, I'm shifting with that critical as well. thinking, though, isn't it? You're very good critical thinker. Like, you are good at taking loads of information in, looking at it, and being quite having good critical thoughts. Whereas some people, like, so, so you would you would critically think about your Twitter bio like you're doing now. You go, mm, yeah, ooh, could be this, could be that, and they, that's why I, I like you. Obviously, you know, we because I like I I'm quite. That's one of the areas lines of development of myself that I'm quite good at for some reason. So obviously, it's an achievement thing for me that oh, I'm quite good at critical thinking. It's like almost like a playground of fun for me because I'm good at it and I can show off a bit with it and da-da-da. If I, if I couldn't do it, you wouldn't see me near any of this. But for you, it's more authentically like critical thinking is not, you know, it's just, you've just really got to like, at the end of the day, get to the truth, you know, and, and cut out bullshit. Your big thing is get rid of bullshit. You know, it annoys you. And that hence, hence what you've just said about if someone says views are my own, that's not really true. What's really true is this. So for you, you being really on there and being like you on there in your style is is authentic. Whereas if I go on there, I'm not going to go on there. But authentic to me is only putting things on there that like make me look good. <laughs> right? 
I don't know that you could say that's a general thing, but some people do it for drama. Some people do it for because they're miserable or they want to piss people off. Some people do it for, for... There's all... Not what you do. This is where behaviourists got it wrong on partial. Behaviourists were good, like Skinner, like your personality is what you do. You know, it is It is really, in a way, it's your actions. Look at someone's actions if you want to know, know them, not what they think. But what a moral, moral compassing thing is look at their actions and the motivations under their actions. So for me, it, authentic for me is in an unhealthy three, I'd just be on Twitter showing off all the time. I'd just be, oh, look at me, I'm great, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and blagging and lying and polishing everything. A healthier me is to occasionally go, hey, check that out, aren't I good? Right, look at my new book, but then not go on about it for days because I don't need to. But So everyone has their own version of authenticity in a way, to, according to their personality type. You get peacemakers, you get leader types, you get uh, helpers. They live to help others and only only get value by serving other people's needs. And you might go, bollocks, like, as if as if you really genuinely mean that. You're genuinely helping someone. And for some people, they actually are. They are Mother Teresa. But you're coming from your space. And they'll look at you and they'll go, as if he can be happy, he's miserable. And you're like, no, I genuinely am happy being on my own or, you know, within reason and have a soft side. I'm genuinely happy, stuck in books. Avid reader, love ri- ri- this, this, leave me alone, I'm on my allotment, walking the dog, l- looking at gravestones or whatever. I am in bliss. And people just go, you have been a what? You're, you're just acting, John. You're acting the intelligent man. And you're like, I'm not. That, I, honestly, I know I'm in my groove. You know what I mean? Now, if you could only do that act, if you, sorry, not act, but if you can only be that way, you're going to limit yourself as time goes on and other opportunities and experiences come up. But you're also going to not limit yourself. By limiting yourself, you're going to extend yourself because you're going deeper into a, a, like a nicer place and a peace. But obviously you can get lost down that and you can lose flexibility to relate with other people. And at the end of the day, as Heidegger said, we are in a societal system and we do have families and we have sisters and brothers and neighbours and we do need to adapt to other people in the world. So although we're different, we are the same as everyone else as well, but we've got to celebrate differences and enjoy differences like a good football team would have a mixture you don't want to get stuck in your own trench saying my personality is the best and when i do personality system with students or ever and i just tease it out they love it because it is a bit interesting and he explained to them it's not total truth you know it's it, but it's all random there's other things in it but it's just it's just something to talk about you know traits do exist but blah 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 they go which one's the best which personality is the best to have it's interesting there isn't one Obviously, there's no best personality. There's only yours. And then there's healthy, average or unhealthy type depths. You know the Enneagrams? And it has examples, doesn't it? Which is weird how we get on so well. So your list, I text you with like, I'm not being funny. Most of the people on that list, I can't stand yeah, no. it, it was like, obviously like famous celebrities and sports people yeah. and stuff. And then the people on my list, so the, I think it was number five, wasn't it? I was like, yeah, like me and I think Nietzsche was on there. And, yeah. Uh, I think Butter was on there. Butter was on there as well. Yeah. And you do, you even though it's like a, a constructed thing, you do go, actually, yeah, I, my vibe is way more them than them. It is. It's very interesting when, you, when you're prepared to look into it and, and play with it. I think that's the word. You play with personality type systems. Don't do one at work and jump on and go, oh, that's me, and just box yourself in. Just play with it and... 
It's contradictory at times. And also, it's easily rationally, you could easily rationally destroy it. Because how do you really know someone's personality? You know, how, how do you know it yourself? You know, we're talking about it because it, you know, theorists have gone all around it. You know, yeah. where it comes from, what is it? Is it even real? So it's never going to be like, you know, gravity. <laughs> you know, fact, that's a physical fact. So I think I think the thing is is to being open to looking. But yeah, that your type, your type, you know, you probably there's a similar one in in Myers Briggs and things and the Big Five. But it's an investigative type. You'll naturally warm to and say, yeah, I I, I warm and understand people who are investigators, intelligent, all seers, and so on. You like me because I provide you more information on things. And at some level, you think that my information is very valuable to you. Then you've got to know me. So you like me anyway. And I'm also with you, very truthful. And like, I don't care about being critical. If you send me something I don't like, I just go, that's a load of rubbish, blah, blah, boom. You don't have many mates like that, do you? But I do that because it makes me feel good when I do it. I feel like you're appreciating that off me. So I keep getting appreciation from you and as a three that's my life source so any athletes i work with that just keep in touch with me tell me i don't need a lot i don't even need a lot of money i just need a bit of praise i'm like a golden retriever dog i literally just need a pat on the head and i'll, I'll just keep coming and i'll give you my energy but as soon as i feel like you feel like you don't need me or i'm or you're a bit past me or you're not interested then i'm generally like not naturally inclined for that way because of like you, you got your own friends, but we become friends because that's obviously worked, and then you become mates. Whereas I like I like you because you're you're feeding a lot of my information. You're 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 giving me information and and making me think in ways that make me look good. So it, it's mutual, and that's that's what a good marriage can be like in in life. You can be totally different from your wife, but your strengths you support. You know, Laura, Laura's very orderly and she's a one and it's all about being right, not wrong. And this stuff helped Laura so much in her career. Laura was such a personality of righteousness, the reformer. There's a right way, there's a wrong way to do it. It was like child good, not childhood. You know, don't mess around, play by the rules and you'll get your rewards. Almost like a religious type of quite strict, be a good person and good things will happen to you. Fact. She was an athlete. I see this with all athletes. She was the perfect professional in all that. Da, 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 da. But couldn't stand it when somebody beat her who wasn't playing by the rules in terms of diet, nutrition, you know, tactics. It was like, she just, she's not even fit and she's beat me and he'd do her head in. So she'd have crisis of faith. And what we had to do, we had to get Laura to understand that it wasn't my rules for me, my rules for you. It was like, my rules for me, my your rules for you. Like, I am the way I am. And then also to have more of a laugh, to see the grey in things, to see that there were different kinds of rules for different situations, not to be so black and white thinking. The biggest thing that Laura's problem was, was the inner judge. Because she was telling everybody else off, if she ever did anything slightly wrong, she would criticise herself to pieces inside. So she was really internally angry and carried a lot of that, but couldn't show anger because that's not what you do. You behave. So they build up all this internal anger and we, that we found lots of ways for her to basically stop being beating herself up as much but hold on to the unbelievable magnanimous professionalism and the details that actually got her to do the work that got her actually better and then with the psychological side of it was like yeah i am good at sticking to tactics i am good at this this is my strength 
but I don't need to get so down on myself. If others do it in a different way and I don't actually, I make a mistake, that's fine. So that was an example of her understanding her personality. Now with my achievement sort of side and pragmatism, now you know why pragmatism is my favorite philosophy. It's like, how do we make this work? How do we stop this failure again? How do we move it on? So I was like a quick fixer. I was, come on, let's work, get it, get it done. So with Laura's sort of strict, rigid work ethic and sticking to the recipe and my creative drive and let's fix it and energy, we made a massively really good team. You know what I mean? Especially when we got our roles clarified, what we were there for each other for. So we made a superb coaching team. She had qualities that I just was like, how does she do that? Whereas I had qualities of optimism and fixing it and thinking and calming down and adapting to situations so that finally pragmatically we'd achieve and look good and not fail that kept it all going. And that that's the one comment I get a lot of, of all the people that they go, oh, he's the most positive person in the world is this. And I'm like, I'm not really, but it's just that when you're doing okay and meeting me halfway, you get a lot of good shit from me because that's my nature. But it can be really bad if I'm like that and they're not up for it. They're not up for it. I'm too much. I'm 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 too quick fixer. And and then to be quite honest, if people aren't really into it, we we clash. And then uh, they feel more like a failure. And, and I, I can't be arsed with them when they're like that. And that's I do not profess to be all things to all people. And I think that's important as a coach or as a as anybody. You, you know your limits, and you're like, I'm this kind of breed. This is what you can get from me, and this is what you can't get from me. I'll try the other things, but I'm not very good. This is this is my best. This is my worst. It's always going to be that way. And 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 I'll try and mature, but I can't. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a golden retriever. I'm not suddenly going to become an Alsatian. I'm basically that kind of breed. I think it's so nice that I think it's so liberating to do that work and understand that personality game you play. And then the other side of it is then go and investigate what the true self is behind that and go and do some Eastern work, the Buddha stuff and the spiritual teachers and about this deeper self that's way deeper and higher than, than the personality you have. It is interesting, isn't it? And I think it does require a little bit of... It, it needs a certain life experience. You need to have lived for a certain bit of time and you need to be reflective and be willing to, to go down some rabbit holes. And that it can be so useful. But where, the way you broke it down, where it's like, well, I'm this and you're that, and then this is... Some people I don't think are comfortable with that. They don't like feeling like shit. That's kind of, I don't really, that's what I'm like, but I don't really want to be like that because the context I'm in, the people I'm around, that's not yeah. what's going to gonna work. But that's yeah. so much more powerful, knowing that and just accepting it and being honest, having a bit of a laugh at it. Like, that's a skill Absolutely. to me. Like, have a laugh at yourself and not be like, like back to Heidegger and thrownness and not be like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's what the cards have been dealt. It's not that, but it is a little bit as well. It's like, yeah, you have to appreciate your thrownness, the cards you've been dealt, and then do what you can with it, but you ne that's just in play, isn't it? You're never going to become something you're not, so you have to maturely accept it and laugh at that, see the humour in it rather than the, the negative. Yeah, dead gut. Just before we leave it, just for the listeners, a, a, an area to go and look at, it was a really interesting theory on development of personality it was Eric Erickson's personality theory, and he talked about stages you go through. And he said that it suggests people grow in a sequence that occurs over time. So your personality sets off genetically and he sets off, you've, you know, you've got these traits. And then at stage one, like I say, from birth to 18 months, it's about trust versus mistrust. So you either learn to trust or you sort of mistrust. 
And that's based. So you go you go left, the kind of thing, or you go right, you know, whatever, and variances of that. Then stage two, which is about your toddler from, say, 18 months to three years old. You're sort of a bit more like from autonomy and versus shame and doubt. And that's to do a lot with what he claimed was one of the big things, like Freud, was to do with potty training and whether people laugh at you and shame you or do things or whether you sort of you know, so you get a bit of shame and doubt or whether you feel you've got autonomy and you can go to the toilet when you want and you can do things when you want. And this starts to formulate. And then preschool, about three to five, is more initiative versus guilt. So when you when you sort of explore and you show your initiative, which you might break things, walk off, do the... You know, if you get told off too much or controlled or there's things, you know, again, you'll you'll either do it again and be like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing it. It's fine. I don't care. Or you get made to feel guilty for mistakes. And this isn't just your parents. This is like your brothers and sisters and everyone who's around in your environment. And then you get to middle school. He said that you get industry versus inferiority. So you sort of guy, you think I'm not as good as everyone. So I'm going to quit. I can't be as good. So I'm going to sort of not try. Or you get industrious and you start really going for things in certain areas of your, of your... And they said that sort of happens from 6 to 11. And then stage 5, 12 to 18 is identity versus confusion. So basically, that's your existential stuff. You're like, oh, I am who I am. I'm dead confident in my own skin. And this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be this and I'm, I'm solid. Or you just get into this massively confused sort of like the world's opening up. I don't know who I am. What, what am I going to be? And, and it's scary and blah, blah, blah. Young adult, 18 to 40, is intimacy versus isolation, which is probably how well you're starting to fit into society and grow up and meet new types of people, new groups and all them things, or you just stay on your own. And then as you get older, it's more about generativity, which you keep developing at 40 onwards, or stagnation. So your personality can be affected even then by how you feel about your future and going forward and generating yourself as something new. Or you just stagnate and sit in. That's the one I say loads of, the stagnate. A lot of that, don't you, at that stage. And then stage eight, last one, 65 onwards is integrity or despair. It's like, I've lived an integral life, I've been a great life, it's been great, and I've lots to offer, I'm quite wise and discerning. Or despair about regret, and I'm rubbish, and life's crap, why has it happened to me, and I never did this, and I never, you know, this type of stuff. Now, all these factors, whether you go left or right at various stages of these stages, he called that conflict. And that conflict, depending on how you come out of it, it says these conflicts are centered on either developing a psychological quality or failing to develop that quality to survive it. So during these times, the potential for personal growth is high, but so is the potential for, for failure. If people successfully deal with the conflict, they emerge from the stage with psychological strengths that will serve them well for the rest of their lives. If they fail to deal effectively with these conflicts, they may not develop the essential skills needed for a strong sense of personality. And I thought that was really interesting, that if a person handles all those junctions of the life, you know, who knows why, you can see where it can sort of positively spiral or direct into terms of more comfort and solidity, and, and you can see where people probably get a bit damaged and they just... They just basically never never get through it in a positive way. So you could be two children that go through a parental divorce. One goes left, one goes right. One kid could be like, oh, my dad was an alcoholic, so I never drank again. And the other kid could be like, so I was an alcoholic because my dad showed me how to be one. What do you expect? And Erickson's interesting. So he's a bit like Maslow. He talked about life as stages and Carl Rogers, that all the time the organism has choices to make and that affects your personality. 
Whereas the trait theorists were a lot more and still are a lot more like, yeah, I get that. There is an influence and it's a nice story, all of that. But essentially, you're making a lot of insinuations up there and you are what you are from birth and it's genetic. So I think both of them have room. I think they're both obviously in there at some level, uh, as is your environment, as is your internal psycho psychoanalysis stuff how you think about yourself as well your freud stuff so i think yeah the social side affects you growing up the individual inside thoughts affect you your behaviors that you actually do if you're fit and you read a lot and you do stuff it's obviously going to affect you you know your actions and also the 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 systems you're part of growing up which school you went to which community the weather the climate that you know so that's for me to leave it that's more of an all-encompassing way you think about what affects personality but i i, I really did like eric erickson's view on it and i'd urge people to go and have a read of it it's interesting right what's if talk's gonna cook rice what's what's the, the final word then what we're gonna leave it with what can people do with this to go away and let's say like implement something once they press stop and delete this podcast well, I mean, go online, do a personality test, try different ones, do the uh, Myers-Briggs test, do the Enneagram test. There's other tests on, on personality you can do. Play around with it by, you know, in, in Enneagram, the wisdom of the Enneagram is the best books. All the stuff on it, it's really funny. It's good. It's, it's, you know, it's, it makes you laugh when you answer some of the questions that are so accurate, you know, and you think, God, how does this book know what I'm really thinking at times? Uh, on some of the questions and yeah don't be frightened of it just that but i think just try and think of your personality as what i said at the beginning as as it's not all your fault but it's some of your fault and that's for good and for bad and if you can if you can realize it's like a set of tactics that you've always practiced and used and that's it that means you can change it a bit and adapt it but you can't fundamentally jump ship you can't change game can't change breed but you can adapt it a little bit and play it a different way you can play your hand a little bit differently shall we say but you can only do that if you know what it what hand you have in the first place you have to look at your cards to know what to do with them you know what i mean and play the hand different the way you want to play so don't key your cards face down open turn your cards over and have a look that's basically get getting a looking into different personalities and it's not just about you it's also if you're in relationships if you can understand other people's personalities and where they're coming from i'd find it hard to work with anybody if i didn't really have a some idea of their personality style that i've investigated i know how to talk to them what language when to leave them alone what to say what not to say what gets them going what what makes them feel crap how to treat them i know how much communication they need as well some need loads some don't need much there's all these little things that you sort of learn like any skill how to relate more effectively because you understand the nature a bit better and how they how they are. And also, you understand when they're stressed. You know with a personality, when someone's stressed, you know where that personality goes to. And then you also know where you're trying to get them to when that personality is flying and they're in the real top groove. And that's that's uh, interesting. Yeah, that's another part. Good. I'd agree. The only thing I would say with the with the different models and tests and stuff is don't pigeonhole yourself because it can be tempting, can't it? You go and do one, it's like, oh, well, that's me now. And then you just start acting that thing. But you have to take all of them with a pinch of salt. You know, the classic, you might do it one day and then, two weeks later you do it again and you get a totally different result or response or finding so you you just gotta like i mean do do a lot of them and mix it up and then like come to your own model in a way and like go yeah what are the threads that are running through and go with that it's really important what you just said there yeah it's that you don't like anything just like 
oh my God, this is all I can see in everybody. There's so mm. many other things. We've got lines of development. You've got stages of maturity. You've got real life stuff going on. Moods is a massive one. You've got moods. Or we could do a podcast on moods and states. Yeah. But yeah, you know, so don't get obsessed with it. Play with it. Cool. When we dance, the journey itself is the point. When we play music, you will simply become completely absorbed in sound. And therefore, you will find yourself living in an eternal now in which there is no past and there is no future and there is no thing called difference between yourself and the world of nature outside you. This is red. This is green. This is something. This is nothing. This is solid. This is space. Between yourself and the world of nature outside you.